Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. So epic. Jesus made the, he made the, he made the reel. So anyways, he's in the credits. Um, yeah, it was a great time. The men had a good time. Alan, you like that video? It's so good. So good. That was for you guys. Um, yeah, we really love getting together, and um, it was just cool. It was a really great time to, to hang out. So shout out to all my men's leaders who made it happen, um, Don and Alan and Jeff. Uh, they did a great job. So um, really, really good time. And the women are in their retreat right now. Um, I hear that it's going amazing. Did it snow up there? Did anybody know? It, it's got a little snow? Okay. Well, they are headed down the mountain, so keep them up in your prayers. But I'm just... Uh, I'm excited about what God's doing. And before we launch in the service, if you could just join me, I want to I lift up Ukraine in prayer uh, this morning. Um, we have a missionary here at Streams that we sponsor, Sasha. Uh, that's him. And he leads a group of men. We have, um, he's got a really great men's ministry over there, but um, he's doing okay. He left uh, Kiev. But it is a turbulent, turbulent time over there, as you can imagine. So, um, it's personal. Like he was at our men's retreat last fall. We've hung out with him, and um, so it does really affect our lives. But we, as a church, um, support him and his ministry over there. So if you could just uh, bow your heads, and we'll we'll go ahead and pray and lift up um, Ukraine. Um, Lord, I know that you are the answer. That Jesus, you came in a turbulent time. That you were born in a very difficult political space and season. And God, I pray that your love would just transform hearts. I pray that your spirit would move in the people in Ukraine and that you would draw them to the hope and to the salvation of your Savior, of Jesus, Lord, to your son. God, I pray that you would give wisdom. I pray for Sasha and his family, the men who are just um, trying to lead their families and being uncertain and just everything is just in, in turmoil. God, would you send peace that passes all understanding? God, we pray that you would nudge us to pray for Ukraine. Wake us up in the middle of the night. Work in our hearts. But God, I pray that you'd be specifically with that country. We pray for the government leaders. And we just pray, God, for your kingdom to come, your will to be done. And we thank you that you're sovereign. And we thank you for the power of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, we are in our series still about reset. And so if you are new, I'm so glad that you came today. It is a great service to be here. However, all of our women are gone, so you're really missing out. But this is a really good series that we kicked off in January. And the whole idea about this idea of reset is in the midst of our world and our culture, we need to take a look at what the truth of God's word says. We need to go back and look at God's truth. Because there's circumstances, there's pressure, there's cultural norms that go against Scripture. And we need to focus in on our Scripture and what God's saying the truth should be. And we need to bring that in and live that out. Does that make sense? So today we're going to be talking about how valuable God has created us. That we are God's masterpiece. And I think the world doesn't really tell us the message that you matter that you are valuable or unique. The world doesn't celebrate how God's created us. And oftentimes, the world will identify us 
with our failures, with our mistakes. Here's this guy, but, oh, this scandal happened, dot, dot, dot. Or here's this person, and they cheated, dot, dot, dot. Or this person, you know, whatever our worst mistakes are, sometimes the world puts us in a box and identifies us with the things that we're least proud of. I think um, we look at the world and we look at the pressures and the demands that our work um, or that, that cultural puts on us. As parents, <laughs> you, you look at Pinterest and you see all these things that um, I know my wife is like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do a birthday party like that. I can't do all these you know, fancy recipes. And you see all this, these cultural things coming in and being like, it sends the message that I'm not doing enough that I'm not good enough. Or maybe you're here today and you're just like, you know what, I, I feel like I'm not very valued or I feel like I'm not important, that my day has gone, that now I'm up in my age and I'm not able to do as much physically. And so because I can't do and perform physically, my value is diminished. <laughs> lot, oh, there's some chuckles there. <laughs> or this new culture, this new generation would rather ask Google the answers or pull up a YouTube video than reaching out to me. And so my value is devalued. I'm, I'm not very valuable. But what does the scripture tells us? What is truth? And today we're going to look at that. So this morning I want to explore what the Bible says. And if you are churched, um, if you've gone to church for a while, you might be familiar with some of the things that the Bible says. Um, we know in church that the Bible says that God loves us, um, that he has a plan for us, that we're uniquely created in his image. And we know that, but here's my challenge. Um, if you're anything like me, I hear that message and the words hit my head and I agree with you, but the, the hard part for me is getting it from my head to my heart, to where really I live out of a place where I know that God has a plan for my life. I know that I'm valuable, that I have a purpose and a mission in life. Oftentimes, I think, us as Christians, we start out believing that we're special, that we're valuable, but doors don't open up for us like we'd hoped. Or we didn't get accepted to that school that we applied for. Or crisis hit our life and our family, and it devastated things. Or maybe you worked really, really hard and you believed and you just went out there and you had passion for it, but things didn't go as planned. You lost the business. You went through bankruptcy. Or maybe you, you had a bad relationship. You put all this equity in this relationship and things split up and your heart is broken. All of these circumstances in life point out to, I'm not all that special. I'm not loved. I feel rejected. I feel less than. And so today we are going to look at Ephesians. This is going to be our, our key passage. It'll be up on the screen, but if you have your phone and you want to pull it up or pull up your Bible, it's going to be Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And I love how this passage starts out. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So before we dive into the message, the foundation is God's grace. 
It's his goodness. It is for by grace that we have been saved. It's because God made us that we're valuable. It's because God loved us. And he's the one that brought salvation. And we need to have the courage to have faith to believe it from our head to our heart so that we can live it. So I think Tony did a great job last week in sharing a message about grace because that really is the foundation. That it's not about us or our talents or our abilities or our gumption to follow God's law. It really starts and ends with God's grace. Amen? So God says that we are his workmanship. In other translations, it calls us a masterpiece. That we are God's masterpiece. And I, know, I, can, I can see that glazed look over your head because, again, I'm in church. I've heard that. We're made in God's image. We're in a masterpiece. But we really need to have faith to understand what that looks like. This was an interesting story. Um, has anybody seen the Antique Roadshow? All you PBS watchers, right, in the house? Okay, here's an interesting thing. This was one of the most rarest, expensive items that has ever been featured on this roadhouse. Here's the story. Back in 2012, a librarian showed up with a Barbara Hepburn bronze sculpture. She had no idea what it was worth, but she did know that Hepburn donated the piece to St. Ives School in England before she died in 1975. She was told of the tale about how that piece had sat on a teacher's desk doing the duty as a paperweight. Um, so this piece was used as a paperweight. She took it on the show and she was shocked to find out that it was worth just shy of $1 million. <laughs> and I know you're sitting there thinking, I think it's worth about 1.2. I mean, that's a really cool looking thing. <laughs> Let's be honest, if we saw that at a thrift store, we'd walk right on by. <laughs> like, what the heck is that? I don't even know, but apparently it was valued at $981,000. It was so valuable that the school is like, I can't even afford the insurance on this thing anymore. So it's now in a museum on display, and the head teacher commented that that's the most expensive paperweight ever in history. <laughs> you see, you might feel like you're odd, that people don't get you, that you're wired in a unique way that really people don't recognize. They don't honor the way that you've been created. They don't value and appreciate your story and how you were raised. You might feel like your purpose is like so low, like you're a paperweight. You're not really good for much else. But here's the truth. The truth is, is because God made you, that's what makes you valuable. You are special. You are uniquely created. The reason why that weird green looking thing had so much value is because Barbara Hepworth created it. Who knows Barbara? Me neither. <laughs> the world doesn't know the attributes of God. So they, it would make sense that they realize that they don't understand your value either. You are valuable because we are created in God. And we need to understand, we need to go back because that really sets the foundation 
of understanding how valuable we are because if we don't have, if we have a misskewed perception of God, we're going to have a misskewed perception of our value. So scripture says that we are a masterpiece, that we're created in God's image. You are one of a kind. God doesn't make mistakes. Have you ever thought that God's never had the thought in his head like, um, you know what, I did that person pretty good, but the next person I make, I'm even going to make better. I'm going to improve on that. God's never had that thought. Like, God is perfect. So for all you golfers out there, uh, here's, a, here's a trivial question. What would God's score be if he played a round of golf? He would hit 18. Because <laughs> there's 18 holes. He can't not make a hole in one. Like, if he's going to hit the ball, it's going to end up in the cup. He's perfect. Everything he does is perfect. But the world tells you, you're not so perfect. You're not so valuable. But Jeremiah says, the truth says, God's word says, in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Again, Ephesians 2.10 says that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for good works. Here, here's an indication that you're valuable. Um, parents, think, think about this. If somebody really wanted to go after you, if they really wanted to do something horrific to you, something so evil and destructive, they would go after your kids. Like, you don't talk bad about my kids. You don't talk bad about my wife. That's not okay. And so we have an enemy that's going against us because we are God's children. That validates how valuable you are because Satan will whisper to you, look at your life. You're just nothing but a big, fat, weird-looking paperweight. You can't do nothing. That person does your job way better than you. You lost your job because you're not good enough. You should just give up. What's the point of going to church? What's the point of serving? Nobody cares. They don't see me. Because if he can attack your value, he threatens the good works that God's designed you to do. Satan doesn't want you to live and function and accomplish the good works that God's laid out for you. So he comes against your value. He comes against your worth. Peter says it. This is, this is phenomenal. Second Peter um, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Look at this. It says, his design power, it's not our performance, but it's God's divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promise, so that through them, through his promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Now, I speak for myself, but I probably speak for you as well, that when you woke up and you're drinking your coffee, you're like, you know what, today's a good day, it's March 6th, I am going to, I'm created for divine purposes today. Like, it's going to be a great day. 
You probably didn't say that to yourself because you didn't feel like that. <laughs> you woke up and you're like, ugh, I want to hit the snooze button. I'm tired. My wife's not here to help me with the kids. Ah. <laughs> but God says, I've created you with all you need because I've designed you for divine purposes. That's amazing. And God knows the plan for our life. And I got thinking, how come if God knows the plan, he doesn't just like tell us, I want to be in the loop. Like, it's your plan for me. Like, include me. Like, you know, CC me on that email, right? But I think some of the reasons why God doesn't tell us our plan is because, number one, the plan is not as important as our relationship with God. Sometimes if we have a task that we're doing for somebody, we end up doing the task with more fervency than the relationship with that person. So the plan is not as important as our relationship with God. I think another reason he doesn't tell us the plan is that we probably couldn't handle it. Like, could you imagine being Moses? What if God just downloaded the whole plan? Like, he just says, hey, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But what if he just says, you know what, I'm going to send all these plagues. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to part the Red Sea. The chariots are going to be coming after you. People are going to be panicked. Um, the wilderness. What if he just laid out his whole plan to Moses? That is scary. I'm glad that I don't know the whole plan, right? Is there anybody here with me? You guys are like, yeah, I'll take the plan. Okay, Don's with me. <laughs> I don't need to know. I don't need to know, right? We couldn't handle it. Or we'd, we'd see a glimpse of our, our purpose to where God's brought us through. He's created this, this character and this steadfast. And we see this like great purpose that we're designed to do. And we would just want to fast forward to that moment. But God's saying, no, trust me. I don't care about that moment. I don't care how great that's going to be. I care about you and our relationship. He is the plan. Ultimately, God's the plan. And we need to seek after him, not for using him so that we can accomplish something. You follow? And here's an interesting um, thing about the pace of the plan. We do get a hint from, again, going back to Ephesians 2.10. It says that God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. So our plan is to walk. And I love that word walk because it's not strive or hustle or sprint. Who's glad that they don't have to sprint to accomplish God's plan? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't like running. <laughs> but we can walk in the plan. Our job is to walk in the things that he has prepared for us. So in men's retreat, we got together and we're like, we're going to prepare these cool activities for our guys to do. And Don hustled to get all the cool fire building material. And we got the crossbow and the target. And we, we set it all up so that you could enjoy it. Not so that we could brag about who is the best fire starter or who is the best top shot in the, in the crossbow. But doing those things together, doing those things that we planned and prepared you to do, you came in fellowship. And it brought the group, it brought relationships together because you were working for a purpose. So the purpose was the relationship. That's why we created those cool things to do. You follow? And so God's created you 
to do cool things because he wants to spend time with you. He wants to show you. He wants to build on that relationship. And he's saying that you're important, that you're loved, that you're valued. That's why he's saying those things. Um, this is a uh, this is a flashlight. It's a mag light. Who's got a mag light flashlight in the house? Okay, come on. Yeah, you got this. This is a really cool, powerful instrument. It's super strong. It's durable. It's got some weight. I got this sucker powered up by some of the finest batteries around, the Energizer Max batteries, right? Where, uh, you know, this is, this is a great flashlight. It's so cool that it even has a, uh, a serial number on it. It's really cool. You can turn this baby on. You can adjust the beam and all this stuff. It's just, it's really good. I think I'll put it over here. in the prayer room. That's the prayer room, by the way. <laughs> Let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, 14. Here's what Jesus says. He says that you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father. Who's bothered that I just chucked that flashlight in there? <laughs> They're like, <laughs> yeah, turn it off. The batteries are dying. Turn it off. You're concerned about a flashlight. But Jesus says your light is to shine. Here at church and out in your neighborhood, those school events that you go to, the sporting events you go to, your coworkers, you are to shine your light to others. That's what you're designed to do, to be a light, not to hide your Christian faith. That's what the devil wants. And think about this. Jesus prayed in John 14, 21. I'm sorry, excuse me, 17, 21. Jesus prayed that we would be in one just as you and I are in one. He's having this conversation with the Father. He says, as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world would believe that they sent me. So why would Jesus pray that we would be one with him if we are of so little value? Jesus thinks you're a masterpiece. He loves you. He esteems you with great value, with a high level of value. And God is inviting us to reset, to reboot, to throw out what the culture says, to throw out what the world says, and to have faith that you are of great value. He's saying, I know you. I've made you to live in me. You're designed to walk in good works, to participate in divine things. You are made to shine in the dark because of the Christ is in you. Maybe some of you don't struggle with your identity. Maybe you're like, you know what, I, I feel valuable. I feel good. 
Maybe it's your time to encourage others that they are of great value. That you, though you'll encounter struggles, that God sees value in you. That you might not feel valuable, but God sees value in us. Jeremiah 21, uh, 29, 11, most of you are familiar with this. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe you're here today and that's what you need to hear. That God has a planned good future for you. That if you acknowledge him and you receive his salvation, he can make the crooked path straight. And that his future for you is wonderful. His plans for you are wonderful. I get hardened and I get sad when I look at um, the stats on people with low hope. 1.2 million people attempted to end their life in 2020. 1.2 million people got to the place where they felt so devalued. They didn't feel of any worth that they said, you know what, it's better if I'm not here anymore. And that's not true. <laughs> we are God's hope for the world. And we can speak life and we can speak encouragement to those who are struggling. Ephesians, um, it says that we should walk in good work, that we are teed up for greatness. And when you think about all that God has done in our lives, I mean, think about it. He has loved us and he pursued us. He gave us grace to forgive us. He has called you. He has equipped you with gifts and talents. He gives us his spirit. And he sent Jesus down to earth to show us his love for us. You are of great value. And you are of great value in God's kingdom. And he has wonderful good works for you to do, for you to do and to accomplish in streams, in your family. And so when the devil comes and tries to lie to you and says, you know what, you're not the best father for your kids. You're not the best spouse. You don't matter. You're not good enough. You need to reset that and say, you know what, I'm valuable because God made me valuable. And he doesn't make mistakes. And my final word for you is to go and shine. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. That's a good word. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Maybe that's the word you need to hear today that you matter and your labor is not in vain. If the worship team can come up, we're going to sing um, that song again, um, Build My Life. And whatever you're building your life on, maybe it's approval of others, maybe it's your bank account, maybe it's what you're most proud of, I want you to clear the slab. And I want you to just put God's goodness and grace in your mind, and I want you to stand on that. Because the best life you can build on is, a, is centered on Christ. He is the foundation. And when the storms come, and when the winds blow, 
in which they will, he promises that, that he is our strong anchor. And if you need prayer, we're going to be up here during this song. You're welcome to come on up. I would be honored to pray for you during this time because I know there's people struggling with this. I know this is a big thing in our culture. So if you want prayer, you're welcome to come on up. But go ahead and stand, and we're going to just um, sing this song.